This episode of TC Spotlight is proudly supported and produced by Media Mix Solutions, your premier source for audiovisual consulting and training in the Twin Counties. Welcome back to another episode of the TC Spotlight. My name is Benton Moss. I'm one of the, the co-hosts of the podcast. And today I have a special guest, Josh Parvin from Koi Pond Brewing Operations and a bar over at the Mills. He is one of the co-owners and is the director of brewery operations. So Josh, welcome to the TC Spotlight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's dig Let's dig right in. Let's dive right into just your personal story. Um, tell us where you're from and how you got to where you are today. All right. I'm from Rocky Mount. I went to high school here, Rocky Mount Senior High, the old one. Uh, graduated Go Griffons. 95 and went off to the Air Force Academy and did my collegiate career there, played rugby, and graduated with a degree in management, Bachelor of Science, and served in the Air Force for about five years. And when I got out, moved back home and got a job at a local country club, and one thing led to another. When I left there is when I was introduced to Koi Pond Brewing Company. Um, my first stop was at my mom's house. I said, hey, mom, I'm no longer working at Bimini Country Club anymore. My second call was to who, Deborah Sparati, who is now my partner. And she said, hey, you want to come work for us? I was like, heck, yeah, I want to come work for you. And uh, so they hired me with the intention of buying in as a partner at a later date, which I finally did in 2018. Congratulations. Here we are. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, I didn't realize you served in the Air Force. Talk yeah. about, uh, I mean, talk about that a little bit. I was in personnel. Okay. Nothing too exciting. Sure. Um, you know, we have intake procedures and um, outtake procedures, and uh, that's really what I did, help people get their marching orders and whatnot. And uh where were, you, where were you at? Station Vance Air Force Base in Eden, okay. Oklahoma. Did you go through, um, what is it, down in Alabama? Um, okay. No, I didn't do that. Okay. Um, you're talking about like basic training or is, anything? Is it, uh, I can't even remember, is it OCS or? No. Um, so that's, instead of OCS, that's what you would do if you go to a normal college. And, and then, then you, you want to become go through, an officer. Okay. But you went through uh, the Air yeah, Force Academy. Okay. Whole, going gotcha. through the Air Force Academy, you graduated as an officer. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. And, and so you were there for five years and then ended up moving back here. Yep. Um, what were you doing over at Bimina? I was the – I started out as a bartender, worked my way up, and I was finally the food and beverage and the banquet director. Okay. And what led you to make that call to Deborah? Oh, I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if anything, you're an honest man. Yeah. I love it. But uh okay, but but why did you call her? Um well in 2014 they had their launch party. Okay. And I was invited to that and I was a part of that. And I expressed interest to um one of the former partners about buying in. And two years later they were ready to open a brewery and the Rocky Mount Mills was ready to open a brewery and it all kind of came to a head and we were ready, they were ready, and so Koi Pond was born. That's great. So 2014 was that the I can't even remember was that the the mills opening um, no, ribbon cutting or, um, or was Koi Pond in their incubator that was, that system? Was, there? Uh, 2014 was just Koi Pond was an idea. Okay, and they uh, incorporated it and no premises or anything. Uh, Eric was one of our former partners was doing the, the brewing at in a one room building smaller than this room yeah. down uh, on Gray Street. Oh, wow. And okay. So that's where he was doing his experiments and getting his yeah, recipes right. And 
all of that before we moved into Koi Pond. Okay. And so in the mills opened up, I think maybe in 15 or 16 when you guys, yep. uh, did you guys we were open the first in business? Yeah. Oh, wow. We were the first brewery and the first business out there. Was it in the house or was it in their incubator in the system? Okay. Yep. Nice. Nice. And for those of you who are familiar, the house is the, is the bar on the corner. Uh, they've got lots of great live yep. music events and brewery system in there, indoor, outdoor seating. So 1107 Falls Road. That's right. That's right. You can't miss it going down falls. Um, so you guys met, you know, in 2014, some time elapsed, you gave them a call. What did your first few months look like? We were busy. Yeah. Good Lord. I mean, being, you know, the brand new kid on the block and uh, still the gravel parking lot back then and just making beer and pushing it. Gosh, it was awesome. Live music, um, doing yoga in-house on Saturday mornings, just all kinds of cool stuff. What, um... I'm sure you've probably, you've talked to some pretty amazing people and just heard some amazing stories. I mean, did there any stick out over the past few years since you've yes, been involved? Yes, there's this one gentleman who came in, you know, to me, he looked like he was in his mid-80s, and he kind of looked around, and he looked a little confused. And, you know, hey, sir, how you doing? Would you like a beer? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. He ordered a beer, and then still looking around like he's confused. And I started to worry about it. I'm like, man, I was like, just wanted to talk to him. I'm like, so tell me what's up. And he looked at me, he's like, I grew up in this house with my grandparents. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. What? Wow. Oh, my goodness. And he was looking around, he's like, yeah, um, that was a bedroom. This was the kitchen. Um, we used to play right here. This was the living room right where the bar is. And I'm like, man, I've got goosebumps now thinking yeah. about it. And, you know, so we occasionally get the people who grew up in the house come to Koi Pond yeah. and look around and tell us how much it's changed. And it's just it's just awesome to hear that history coming from somebody's mouth. Yeah, yeah. There's so much history with the mills and like, you know, like was his family part of the mill workers? I mean, yes. t- tell me yep. about that. I mean, did yeah, he ever they, share anything? I didn't ask uh, what his family did, but, you know, um, that's one of the things. My my stepmother grew up on 7 Elm Street, which is right across the street from us, three doors down. Yeah. And her parents worked in the mill. Wow. It's just you yeah, know, it's such a small world, it Yeah, there's like. a lot of history uh, through there. That's one thing I love about the mills is that they kind of – they brought back the maker culture, but obviously with a different industry. Um, they've done such a great job of the incubation part of it. Talk about being part of that ecosystem. Like what's what's that like knowing that you guys are all in the same industry, but you're creating different things? I mean, what's the dynamic like over there? I like to call it co-opetition. Co-opetition, you know, We're okay. all in the same I, market, I like so that. we are competitors. Right. But when I have a question, I can uh, – Call my colleague Ben, who works for uh, Crystal Coast and uh, Mythic Brewing. Sure. And he can give me his feedback on any questions I might have because he's been a brewer three years longer than I have. So he's run into the same problems that I've been doing. And just having that camaraderie and the openness to be able to go and say, hey, I'm having this problem. Have you run into this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, check it. This is what we do. It's so awesome to have that feedback and to have the interaction with the other brewers to so that if you do run into a problem, you can innovate and come up with something together sure. or you use a solution that somebody else has already come up with. It, um, I've sort of discovered through talking with, um, you know, other brewers and bars and distributors, there's a couple different models, right? Like you can brew to distribute, but you can also brew, you know, for like a tap room, right? How do, do you guys have both licenses? How does that work for Koi Pond? Yes, we do. We have a We've got a special event permit. We've got the wholesale permit. We've got the production permit. And then, of course, the on-premise alcohol and wine. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you guys permit. distribute too? 
Yes. Okay. Yep. Nice. What are y'all's like your biggest flagship uh, products that y'all like to distribute? Uh, Voodoo Wit is our blood orange wit beer. That's my favorite one. That's uh, the one that's I always get. One. Yeah. 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 Uh, Falls Road Golden Colch. Okay. Those I are love our two top too. sellers. Those yes. are one and two at the top. Yeah. Uh, Angry Squirrel is very popular. What kind of beer is that? That's an amber ale. Okay. So I think those, I've tried that one. I would put those top three, top three? right there. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Those are canned? Yes, we okay. do can those. Yep. Gotcha. And whenever gotcha. I brew something, I like to I'll pull pull off a little bit of everything that I brew and can it. Okay. Gotcha. So and and all of that happens on site at the at the bar slash yep. brewery. Yep. Okay. Um, the our we've got a two barrel brew house, which means we brew two barrels of beer at a time. It's right there in the room behind the bar. Uh, anybody's welcome to come and especially if I'm working, if you want to see the brew house, just walk back there, give you the nickel tour. It's not much and we can talk shop for a little bit. Well, so tell, tell the audience for those who like, I mean, like me, I have no idea what a, what that type of system look, I mean, looks like what the quantity is what the volume throughput is talk about that and the different, maybe the different sizes of, of systems. So one barrel of beer is about 31 gallons. So having a two barrel brew house means that I can do between 62 and 65 gallons at a time. Um, and then that process of brewing the beer takes anywhere from five to seven hours, uh, depending on the boil time and all of that. And then once you start fermenting the beer, that could take anywhere from eight to 21 days if you're doing ales. So, you know, every three weeks I'm turning turning over 30 barrels of beer in a perfect world. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's a lot of beer for a two-barrel brew house. How do you all decide, like, what to can versus what to sell in-house and, like, in the, in the kegs? Well, I can everything. I uh, just can... Uh, if I do a two-barrel batch, then I'll can four cases of that beer, okay. and the rest gets put in the kegs. If I'm doing a six-barrel batch, because we've got three uh, six-barrel fermenters, then I might pull between five and ten cases off, because I'll have more to put in kegs, obviously. Um, and when we sell at the farmer's market, and we sell across uh, the state at events that we go to, sometimes we take cans, so it's nice to have more cans. Yeah. The craft brew industry as a whole has just been a huge, I mean, economic boon for the state of North Carolina. But that also means like, you know, it's a lot more competition. Talk about how it's evolved, you know, what you guys are doing to kind of stay abreast of all that. I mean, you guys are a staple in Rocky Mount. Um, you know, I don't know how the distributing side of that, you know, outside of Rocky Mount has changed, but just talk about the industry since you've gotten involved and what you've seen. I think in 2016, there were 155 breweries in North Carolina or something like that. Now there's over 400. I mean, it has exploded. Right. You know, it's one of those things where a home brewer feels like you kind of look around. You mentioned on a previous podcast, you did uh, the uh, NC Beer Factory. Right. Uh, Randy's a good example of that. He brewed in his garage, got a bigger system, and he looked around, and he's like, man... I think I want to open a brewery, and he did. Well, that's what a lot of people are doing, and you see that because there's a lot of good beer made in garages across the state, so uh, why not sell it if you can? Um, so you see that explosive growth, and then there's an increase in competition, so what do you do to stay abreast of all that? Um, well, product is key. you got to sure. have a good, consistent, quality product, and that will most of the time – will keep you in the game. Yeah. Uh, distribution is going to be key for us moving forward. I know that's going to be tough. We distribute ourselves instead of going with a distributor. Um, we're not quite big enough to do that. And we don't want to, you know, to cut off the top. It's going to be, it would hurt us right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, increase in distribution and sales is what's going to 
keep us going through the future. And I think that's the case with everybody because the more you get your product out there and the more people know about you, obviously the more you're going to sell. So sure. you got to get your name out there in front of folks. Yeah. I try to, I try to, um, kind of keep a, a, a single favorite from each of the local breweries. Like, um, you know, for you guys, it's the Voodoo Wit. There's the Jalapeno Saison, I think. That's yeah. right. Um, I haven't really, I haven't had a, a lot of beers over at Mythic, uh, maybe one or two with some of the the events, but most of the time I'll go to Hot Fly, so I haven't established that yet. I owe Randy a, a visit for the, for the um, I think it's the Lord Winston. Uh, this is ESB? I think so. Yeah, yeah the English English beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I try to I try to spread it around, but I like to have a, a good stable favorite at each one. Right. Uh, but talk about product development, though, because you guys have, you know, like you said, your top three sellers. I mean, obviously, you're trying to add to that. How do you kind of cycle through products and what you're selling on top of that or in the bar, you know? It's a fine line. You want to balance your flagships with something new because there is the untapped culture. Um, I'm guilty of it myself going places and wanting to try something new. Sure. Um, so having something new that people are like, Oh, check it. I haven't had that yet. Let's go and check in and, uh, drink that and take a picture of it and put it on social media. Um, but you want to balance the new stuff with the staples because we've got our customers that like to come in and they know that falls road is good. They're going to come in. They're not even going to look at them and even my own falls red, golden coach. So you want your flagships to stay consistent, good for your repeat customers who have your favorite one, like you have Voodoo. If you come in and there's no Voodoo, you're like, man, that's a bummer. And then you got to spend time thinking about what you want. What you want, and maybe uh-huh. I go, you know, across the street and then come back to listen to, you know, Tyler Davis or whoever. That's you know. right. Yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. um, and when we come up with new products, it's not hard. It's uh, anything from changing the hot profile in a beer. Um, you just follow the recipe. That That's simple. Changing a hot profile makes it a different beer. Um, changing the amount of a certain type of grain in an uh, existing recipe makes it Angry Squirrel instead of Longstreet. Because, you know, Angry Squirrel was an accident. Oh, talk about that. So Longstreet Pale Ale was one of our flagships, and we do have it on tap now. We had gotten away from that in the past couple of years. But we ran out of like six pounds of this one grain. So we substituted it with another grain that was a little bit darker where customers came in and the ones who liked Longstreet were saying, this is not Longstreet. We're like, yes, Longstreet. No, it's not Longstreet. (laughs) And our heads were like, yeah, they're so right because we did use six pounds of this darker grain and it made a huge difference. So we're like, fine, it's not Longstreet. We're going to rename it and name it Angry Squirrel. And that is the, that's the brown ale, right? Yeah, that's okay. the amber ale. Oh, amber ale. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. So you know, good things come uh, through mistakes every once in a while. Well, I mean, you know, creativity is a blend of uh, you know trying and not trying, yeah. right? You know, um, pale ale is that bitter? It can be. Yeah, because um, I, I like the amber ales. For, I'm not a huge fan of IPAs or, or yeah, even so good for pale example, ales. Uh, Sierra Nevada makes a pale ale. Okay, I think needs to be an IPA. Yeah. Just because it's so bitter. Right. Because, you know, you do have a spectrum for IBUs. And, like, when you get up to 35 IBUs, that's the top end of a pale ale and the bottom end of a IPA. Gotcha. So okay. sometimes I'll make a pale ale that's right at the top end that somebody who likes drinking lighter-style beers would like to drink, but it's not. It's at the low end of the IPA. Gotcha. That's a good way to introduce somebody to yeah, IPAs, yeah. too. You don't kill them with the bitterness because – that is a turnoff for a lot of people who don't like IPAs. IPAs, that's what I hear. It's too bitter, it's too bitter, it's too bitter. Mm-hmm. But if you make an IPA that's not bitter, 
then you can kind of introduce them gradually into that, oh, you learn how to appreciate it instead of just getting turned off right just away. Just getting crushed by the bitterness. There was yeah. one, I can't remember, it was like a like a lone pine and it was very it was a light kind of golden looking but it was it was technically an IPA but it was it was delicious but normally it's for me just the IPAs are just too bitter. Yeah. Um talk about the name. Koi Pond? Yeah, how did you guys come up with the name? I mean because you've got some others that are you know out there and then you've got some that are you know like straightforward like Tarbor Brewing Company we want to right. represent where we're from but how did you guys come up with the name well just to dispel any notions we do not have a koi pond on the premises <laughs> sure uh, there are too many dogs and yet. kids and, <laughs> and drunks and all that kind of thing and the heron in the summer will clean out a koi pond and yes. expensive so and the upkeep's ridiculous from what yes. I hear yes yes but uh we just needed a place that sounded inviting sounded comfy um a place where everybody's welcome to come, kids, dogs, adults, you know, all walks of life, uh, a place where you could feel at home while you're there, spending time with friends and family. Um, and koi fish represent new beginnings and prosperity. So seven years later, we're still still going. I like that. For To me, when I think of like a koi pond, I think of like a serene backyard, right. place to sit, mm-hmm. birds and the bees hanging out, just, you know. Just, a, just a, sunlight on your face. You're yeah, just like, you just yes, you just relax all yeah. afternoon, and that really is the atmosphere. I mean, when I go out there on a spring or even like a summer afternoon after uh, you know after work, and folks are out there with their kids, uh, you know, you've got the 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 cornhole boards, you've got the music going. I mean, it's yeah, it's a great spot. Yeah, it's a great spot. We like it. So talk about uh, how you guys activate, you know, the the music space and, and, and the event space, the outdoor space that you guys have, um, you know, talk about the events or the, the musical series and some of the things you guys have coming up in the spring and, and summer. So we've been lucky that we, uh, got Koi Pond where we, where we have it. Cause we've got a huge yard that is capable of holding hundreds of people. Yeah. So, you know, some of the events we have are trivia nights. We do it the second and fourth. And if there's a fifth Wednesday of every month, um, we like to have music once, if not twice per weekend. And we, do that outside for good weather. Uh, we've got a brick patio that musicians use. Um, people bring their lawn chairs and baseball chairs and whatever else to sit at is pretty sweet. And in bad weather, they're inside. Um, May 20th, we've got Ponda Palooza coming up. And that's when we're going to have food trucks, kids' activities, axe throwing. We'll have three bands throughout the day. Uh, we expect anywhere between eight and 1,200 people for that. And that's just, it's just nice to have that space. We, you know, wedding receptions. All the time, and it's it's just great to have that available for folks. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know you guys did wedding receptions. Yep. That's great. Have one in a couple of weeks, actually. Um, yeah, we don't do much for that. We set up the bar, and uh, guests are responsible for tents and that kind of thing. But uh, we like we love it when people who met at Koi Pond come back and say, "Hey, uh, we're getting married. We want to have a reception here." We're like, what? "That's that so is awesome. cool. That yeah. is so cool." Yes, please come. That it's is awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Is axe throwing covered under special permits? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, as, I, as far as I know. As long as it's on his trailer, he's liable. It's yeah. all good. And yeah. and whenever the participants sign away their life right. when they yeah. before they get on there, yeah. so. waiver is key. Waiver is yeah. key. Um, well, we like to ask you know all of our guests, especially the ones who um, you know whether whether like you know like with Randy, he's from out of town, he's not from around here, or whether they are from here and they ended up you know back here. Um, talk about the opportunities in the Twin Counties and and sort of your journey. Uh, maybe some things that you've learned and what you, how you might encourage others who 
are from here um, or maybe not from here about some of the opportunities that are present in the Twin Counties from an entrepreneurship standpoint? Well, you know, when I left Rocky Mount in 1995, I was never coming back. I think that's the, I think that's a immature, haven't seen the world yet kind of attitude because, you know, I went out and then I came back. I was like, oh, well, would you look at this? It's I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Yeah, not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Right? Yeah, you are. Um, but I think that I would encourage young folks who have that kind of attitude not to have that kind of attitude. Obviously, because you haven't seen the world, you don't know what's out there, you don't know what it's like, and then you come back and you're like, oh, well, this is awesome. There, there are things to do here. There are opportunities here, and especially with everything that uh, Capital Broadcasting is doing, they. Development of the mills, uh, development, uh, all of that seeping downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocky Mount tried, what is it, eight years ago or so to do the, to renovate downtown or re- rehabilitate downtown and uh, make it go again. It just didn't take. But I think that with everything that's going on at the mills, that is gradually going downtown. And you see businesses opening with, uh, along with Station Square, because, you know, that's kind of another anchor point down on that right, side of right, downtown. Right, right. And you see restaurants moving in. It's only a matter of time before you get uh, more businesses, more restaurants, bars, uh, living space especially. It's going to be a big one. You see that happening as well. 100%. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, get in on the ground floor. Come on, you know, move to Rocky Mount. Get here. I mean, it's happening. It's the city on the rise again. You know, and I, I hate that we got away from that phrase. Yep. Uh, the center of it all just, just personally to me, see, feels hollow, but the city on the rise feels like just right. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's positive and it's not that because we're not really the center of it all, but we are a city on the rise and you can see it again. You can, you really can. And I was one of those, I was one of those people too. Like if you would ask me before I had kids, if I was coming back to Rocky Mount, I mean, when I retired from baseball, I told my wife, I said, well, let's go to New York or let's go to Atlanta or Charlotte or somewhere. And she said, Hmm, I want to stay in the triangle and be close to family and we'll see what happens. And I fought her tooth and nail. And of course, you know, she won. That's right, that's right. <laughs> then we had our first kid and it was like, okay, how quickly can we get back to Rocky Mount? Right. And, uh, and I, I love that you share those sentiments because I, I do think that there's a lot of opportunities in the twin counties. I also think things are going to happen downtown Rocky Mount because as you said, the mills have proven that there's a lot of latent demand to, to fill the new restaurants and to try the new things and open new businesses, um, I think it's coming. It just takes time. You got to be it patient. Does. You got to be willing to wait for it and work for it. Yeah, and you, exactly. And you got to anchor in, and you got to be there for the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Josh Parvin, Koi Pond. This has been a blast. Um, this will get released probably, uh, hopefully, late March, I think. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate what you're doing uh, in the community and just the stable that you guys are uh, at the mills and in Rocky Mount. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best, and we'll be out there to drink some of y'all's great beer. Well, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.